It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is James True Penny. This is my show, and today we are at the New Japan Cup. We're still in the first round. We've got a little bit of second round to talk about, and we are trying to bring you coverage of all the championship matches in this year's New Japan Cup. We are glad to be back in New Japan. It is great to watch New Japan, and by the end of this tour, we will see actual fans in an arena watching New Japan Pro Wrestling at legendary Osaka Joe Hall, the best-named wrestling arena in the world. And to join me to talk about this today is Mr. John Dinsdale of Steel Chair Magazine. How are you, sir? Well, yes, it has been great to have New Japan back. Definitely. I love having more wrestling to watch. And yeah, New Japan has its own brand of style and they came back for the tournament, which you can't complain at. That's something that's been a discussion since in, in lockdown as we've been discussing things on the internet. Is New Japan strong style anymore? There's a question for you. Is New Japan strong style anymore? It feels more like the King's Road base, because we, didn't we have this discussion as well? We Not did. Not too long back. John from uh, Voices of Wrestling, I was talking to him about it, and he was kind of like pointing it out, and I would kind of see it now, because Ghetto and Jeddo were the bookers, really, and like all of the, a lot of the guys we will talk about today have serious King's Road kind of, um, what's the word, pedigree. So I'm wondering, is it King's Road, or is it Strong Style? That's a question I think we'll have to discuss. But certainly, to be honest with you, King's Road was always the most financially viable style. All Japan Pro Wrestling essentially printed money in the 1990s, as did Noah in the late 1990s. So it's New Japan has always been the bigger company because they performed in front of more people, but they didn't necessarily earn more money, which is a key thing in pro wrestling. WWE make wrestling for the masses but it doesn't necessarily make as much money as a small company doing a big show it's all in your how you go about it anywho let us get to wrestling the actual first show was a bit of a corker of this particular run that we've had i think we looked at the first two days so the first day we're looking at today which would be on the 22nd which was from curriculum hall and empty curriculum hall sad times uh, its first man match was Sonata versus Raisuke Taguchi, and we did get big match Taguchi, at least for a little while. Um, this was a lot of fun. I said it was kind of my sleep for the first round, and I certainly think it was. What were your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, this was a lot of fun. He started off with Goofy Taguchi, and then he actually started fighting properly, and he put on a nice competitive match with Sonata. Because it's like, you've got Technical style Sonata, and then you've got his ironically older veteran junior version of Sonata who can keep up with him. And as such, they played off each other really nicely. The, the trouble is that junior heavyweight veteran, sorry, the junior heavyweight version of Sonata is really boring. <laughs> That's the Sonata that was in Impact Wrestling and the Sonata that was in Wrestle 1 and who never really quite got there, for me anyway. I just meant in terms of style and size. Taguchi's actually got charisma. Then again, Sonata was having fun in this one. He played along. Sonata, yeah, I mean, Sonata is kind of like, I think that's the thing. It's like when he was a happy-go-lucky babyface, Ricky Steamboat Mark II in his early days, he was so dull to watch because he's not like, 
a wrestling genius in the same way that Zack Sabre Jr. Raisuke Taguchi is. And he really didn't, he kind of just did like a set, no set, move set. And he was very King's Road influenced. And now he has a lot more fun because his character is so straight-laced, it's allowed him to be more fun, if that makes sense. When he was trying to have fun, it looked forced. And there's nothing worse than watching somebody trying to have fun. Uh, whereas nowadays, he's kind of a lot more fun because he's, he's so straight in his uh, approach. Which is kind of ironic considering he's in a group full of massive personalities. Yes, he's kind of like the anti-personality of the group, really. Still got oh, one well, of the best masks, though. Oh, yeah, and certainly all he has to do is stand around in a suit and, you know, he's, he looks like he has more character than anyone else on the roster. It's the Orange Cassidy thing. It's a very different take on the Orange Cassidy thing, but he kind of did it first. Well, he didn't do it first. Orange Cassidy's been around years. But it is very much that. And to be honest with you, we've had some much negative commentary about Shikara. However, Orange Cassidy was at King of Trios that Sonada made his Shikara debut at. Okay. And I, I wonder... You know, just cool, laid back, detached, not do anything. You know? They kind of just want to be wrestling weeping angels, don't they? Yeah. If you move, I'll move. And the second you look away, you're dead. Yeah, exactly. All right, then. Um, next match up. Show defeated Jingo Takagi. Bit of a surprise and an excellent match. The cage match users give it 8.6. In fact, three of these matches got over five, which is like the threshold for cage match to say it was any good. <laughs> Um, show defeated Shingo Takagi Show's big first singles win Sets him up in a big feud with Shingo Over the Never Openweight Championship Even if he doesn't go any further in the tournament I don't think he will But he's had his big win And it's the first, it was the second big surprise of the tournament Show defeating Shingo Takagi Is big news Because it gives Show a singles opportunity For a guy who's already a singles uh, a Tag team champion I'm not so sure that they're ready to put the Never Openweight Championship on show just yet. But I think they want to give Shingo a bit of an establishing run as a singles wrestler. But what's your thoughts on this, John? I'm not sure what the hit, like the future context for this will be, but like the match itself was amazing. These two have kind of been at war for like what is it, two years now since yeah, they, yeah. they first met up in well, it'll have been for the junior tag titles, won't it? Yeah, it was the feud between uh, Shingo and Bushi versus Profendi uh, uh, 3K, yeah. Because these two are kind of like the juniors that you just, well, were the juniors. Shingo isn't anymore. We just look at them and you're like, you're not a junior. And yeah, then they just slug the hell out of each other and you have a lot of fun watching them do so. I have no doubt that show actually is 100 kilos, but it's 100 kilos of purely defined muscle. He's, he's <laughs> going to be the one that, when Rapongi 3K eventually breaks down, he's going to be the one that goes on to become like the top single star out of the two of them, I think. I don't think so, actually, because <sighs> I think Sho has more personality to him. I think Sho's a better wrestler, and he's a powerhouse. But I think Yo will end up a bit like Rocky Romero. He'll be like the characterful guy that they need to hold everything together. He's going to be... He's going to be the enforcer of the group in the junior heavyweight division, I think. But I do think that Yo won't shine until he breaks up from Show either. You see what I mean? I can see yeah. Show. I can see Show being a major player in the heavyweight division, but equally, I can see Yo being a thoroughly great junior heavyweight champion as well. 
but I don't see show as a junior one curve. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. 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 Just looking at this match, you start to see the sort of foundations for that because when Shaw's going like strike for strike and hole for hole with like a heavyweight now, he's making it look effortless. Him and Shingo were just bullying each other for the whole match. And yeah. to give Shaw the sort of shock win sets him up nicely because it's like he's done it once. Can he do it again? The answer is no, but we'll pretend he can. I Yeah, but you could kind of like run this like Aji Kong versus Minami Toyota. The first big match they had was like on a nondescript Hurricane Hall show. The second big match they had was at the Tokyo Dome. And then the third big match they have, Manami Teoto takes the title. So you can do it like that. You want to space it out over a long period of time and you've got to tell a story of somebody having to come back up. But it certainly catapults show into a position he wasn't in before. He had the potential to have before, but he certainly isn't in it now. Yeah, this was quite cleverly done because you sort of looked at this match and you thought, yeah, Shaw's losing this. He always loses to Shingo. There's no way he's winning. And then, yeah. lo and behold, he actually won. And funnily enough, the next matchup was again similar kind of layout. Zack Sabre Jr. is a coach of number in the New Japan Cup for the last three years. Coach has not got past Zack Sabre Jr. at any time in the New Japan Cup. And this time, he took out Zack in the first round, which is really quite phenomenal. And the match was amazing. It wasn't as good as Shingo or Shingo versus Show, and that reflects in the reviews it's got. But it was another thoroughly great story told match. Story being told by two thoroughly great wrestlers. I cannot say enough about Zack Sabre Jr. and Kota Ibushi. They are just two fantastic wrestlers right now, both on top of the game. There's at least five or six guys in the New Japan heavyweight division you could say are the best heavyweights around in the world right now. You know, I think if you take the top half of the main event picture in New Japan Pro Wrestling, you have your like top 10 professional wrestlers in the world. There are there are guys in North America who just can't live with them. And it's it's just astounding the talent level they have, but they produce matches like this. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, again, this was great. Like, this night was pretty good for holding my attention. And a match like this is always going to be fun for me to watch because, like, Zach has caught his number pretty much every time they fight. And then to sort of see... Like, Ibushi finally get, like, angry and just deck Sabre and win was quite a fun moment. <laughs> Plus, you'd think a match like this might suffer with, like, no fan drama or anything like that, but it didn't. It still was just awesome to watch. It was incredibly compelling. I think that's the, that's the thing. In a way that the next match, Tai Chi versus... Uh, um... <laughs> Oh, good God. I've forgotten, like, the biggest name in Japanese wrestling, and I've forgotten his name. Hiroshi uh, Tanahashi. Yeah, yeah, Hiroshi Tanahashi. You just went a mind blank then. Yeah, I think it was compelling in a way that Tai Chi versus Tanahashi wasn't, because Tai Chi and Tanahashi both rely on the crowd so much for what they do, whereas Ibushi and Zack seem to have a wrestling match in spite of the crowd. They yeah, do the if it wasn't there <laughs> it's quite an odd paradox because you'd think mat wrestling would suffer if there's nothing to back it up but it, it doesn't especially not if he's active junior <laughs> yeah. endless variations on a thing he could probably make a bloody half crab look painful 
yeah, it's just how you do it, you know. Actually, it was um, if you go to my tweets around about 10 o'clock at night, most nights, Ospies, who's a great Twitter user, always puts up some historical magazines or some posters from British wrestling in the 1950s and 60s and 70s. And he put one up yesterday, which had, I think it was Billy Robinson on the front cover. And it was the start of uh, uh, Zack Sabre Jr.'s submission finisher, the hiking with napalm death. <laughs> and he had that like on just about to get into a role. And it was like, oh, wow, this is what Zack Sabre Jr.'s dreams are made of. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I, it's a style that's been around for a long time. You know, it, it's it's not really... Everyone kind of says, oh, he's world of sports style. And he isn't really. You know, Marty Skrull is more of a world of sports style wrestler than Zack Sabre Jr. is. However, Zack Sabre Jr. is kind of like this endless variations of shoot style and folk style wrestling that he can just keep wrapping you into knots forever and make it seem interesting. And he always gives his names like really death metal names. His orienteering <laughs> with Napalm, Death, Cremation, Billy, Hazard, the Inexorable March to Pro Athletes. I can't remember all in one go. <laughs> I can remember some of it, and then it just sort of fumbles into like all ye old British talk for revolution. That's my favorite. That's my favorite thing about when we did G One a couple of years ago. We had uh, quite a few different guests on. I would just ask, so how close are we to a socialist revolution with this result? When will we bring an end to neoliberalism through Zack Sabre Jr.'s victory today? You know those questions. To be fair, I was quite gutted we never got another rant like um, backstage segment after he'd lost blim Boris Johnson. <laughs> I will <laughs> never get over the the Boris F and Johnson rant. <laughs> when he started doing badly in the G1. All right, then. Well, let's just move on, because we've got a lot of matches to get through. The next one was on night four, which is on the 23rd, back at Curricken Hall. Again, no fans involved. However, Bushy and Yo... Wait, a... you just missed the best match. Watch. Oh, go oh God. That's because we got... Hiroshi Tanahashi and Tai Chi. Are you going to do the main event that badly? Uh, well, I kind of hope we talked enough about it. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Tai Chi, then. Go on. <laughs> yeah, I love this. Because it's no. Tai Chi at his best. You don't need a crowd to be a dick. And, uh, like, you know for a fact I love Tai Chi. So to see Tai Chi come on top of Tanahashi. Well, you... I kind of knew this would happen. What, me gleefully <laughs> enjoying Tai Chi beating who you proclaim to be the best in Japanese wrestling, despite no, I guess the best. He did not say best. He's not the best wrestler in Japanese wrestling. Mako Satomura is the best wrestler in Japanese wrestling, obviously. I just said he's the biggest name in Japanese wrestling. But yes, this this was this was <laughs> fun. And I hope one day I can find someone who will react to me the same way your Tasuji reacts to Tanahashi. <laughs> you said there was no crowd in attendance. Suji was going all out to be the crowd in attendance, and he would have a much greater role later in the week. Yeah, he would. He's kind of like the the unsung star of the New Japan Cup this year, isn't he? Yes, he is. He's, he's done an awful lot of work. 
Ah, oh, okay. I I will mercifully end this now by just saying Tai Chi beat Tanahashi. I am never forgetting this, and I'm very damn happy with it. It, it was all right. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I think to be fair to Tai Chi, they kind of have to give him a push. And obviously, with a Bushi one tag team member from the championship team winning, the obvious thing to do is for the guy from the challenging team to win as well, because it puts an interesting matchup into the next round or a, a possible matchup further down the line, which of course we'll all be looking forward to. Well, I mean, it's got Tai Chi in it, we're not looking forward to it that much. But, you know, it does kind of create an awful lot more interest around Tai Chi, and it is good booking, it is solid booking uh, for a wrestler that they're trying to build up because, you know. Well, Tai Chi's an odd one. If you put him in a match with a big opponent not named Naito, he does amazing. <laughs> it's like Tanahashi, amazing match against. Ibushi could have an amazing match against. In fact, no, Tai Chi has had an amazing match against Naito. Just not when there's a title on the line. Sorry, yeah, I'm going to stop singing Tai Chi's praises. <laughs> It's okay. I mean, you're allowed to be fans. Of, otherwise, we'll be wrestling fans, would we? But it's just, just not my cup of tea. Bit boring. Our missus got better, but it couldn't be much worse. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, his match but, was still more entertaining than most of the matches. Matches on this one. We'll say. Story came out about Tai Chi this week. Now, we're giving Tai Chi some stick because he had cheated on his wife a few years ago, and another reason why I don't like him very much. However, there was a story that came out about Tai Chi this week where a guy was bullying a girl and being a bit obnoxious to oh, a girl. Oh, I've read this. And Tai Chi went and stuck a face lock on him and told him to behave himself until the police came, and the police came and took him away. And to him, I mean, obviously, he can still go home but if he's protecting young women in bars, I'm happy to be there. Like, I'm always intrigued because I see Tai Chi interacting with Tam Nakano all the time. <laughs> well, yeah, they're, they're all working together now, aren't they? Yeah. The Bushi Road family. But yeah, I read that bar story and I'm just like, see? I, I've got even more reasons to like Tai Chi now. <laughs> What one? <laughs> I must admit, though, the, the wrestler cheating on the wife thing just seems to be like a common trope these days, which is quite depressing. It, it is. This happened all eight or nine years ago. Tai Chi actually had to shave his head as a public sign of contrition. Which... I mean, that seems fairly light compared to what Takamichi Noku got. Uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, because, like, being, well, essentially just no longer booked by New Japan Pro Wrestling and having to close his company down and start again and go work for all Japan because he's run out of money. But he did have an affair and a baby with a woman eight for eight years, other than his wife. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess that is way more serious. <laughs> you laugh but, about it because you think it's absurd and then you remember, no, this actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, then. Bushi. So, Bushi and Yo. We'll get there in the end. Bushi from your LIJ defeated Yo in 15 minutes and 42 seconds. This one was pretty interesting. I think it kind of suffered from it had no story to it. And a lot of these first round matches have had story to them. You know, and this one is kind of like, well, it's Yo, he could win. It's Bushi, he could win. And 
not really bothered either way. I think Yo could be a big star, but he needs a bit more than this. I think Bushy is a big star, and they never do anything with him, so I'm happy that he got somewhere. What's your thoughts on this one, John? There were some nasty moments in this match. Usually with Bushy driving, you're into certain things. Mm. Especially the guardrail. That was a nasty one. But, yeah, much like you said, it was a great match, just hampered by the fact that it was kind of just a match. There was no real dynamic to it, because I think they're trying to go for the same thing that they were doing with uh, Shaw and Shingo, where she's like, oh, these two were rivals in the past, they're going to be rivals again. But the difference is, Shaw and Shingo have had interactions with each other. Yon Bushi... Outside of the best of Super Juniors, but I don't even think they interacted there, did they? Not really. And, like, Hiromu and Bushi are supposed to have a run at the Junior Heavyweight title, like, two years ago, and nothing ever happened. And I suppose they could do it again now, but they just waited that long. The Junior Heavyweight titles are probably the least, well, they're important, but they're not as important as all the other stuff, and that's where the focus is right now. So... It'd be at least six months before Hiromu and Bushi have a crack at the Junior Heavyweight Championships. But Hiromu and Bushi are like miles apart on the scale of importance. Hiromu is essentially like the third or fourth biggest star in New Japan right now. And Bushi's great, but he is there to make the numbers up, isn't he? Yeah, he's usually just there to eat a pin, which always hurts. Right then, so the next match was Yoshihashi versus Hiroyoshi Tenzan. 17 minutes and 35 seconds of a thoroughly enjoyable wrestling match that the, the, the actual cage match users considered the best match on the card. Not bad for the 72-year-old Hiroshi Tenzan who has knees like a cartoonist drawing them on his body. <laughs> when Hiroyoshi turns up and he's going to put a shift in, you're going with him, no matter what you do. And Hiroyoshi turned up, because this might be his last New Japan Cup. And the great thing about Tenzan is he treats every match like it might be his last one. <laughs> yeah, Tenzan's always kind of an, like, an unsung hero when he's in a match. Because he always gives it. like the be- Even when he was in the sort of retirement stuff for Izuka, and nobody could give two hells about Izuka's retirement. And then it's just like, here's Tenzan trying to make it special. Yeah, yeah. He does. He tries to make everything special, like he's always done, to be honest. Like, late 90s Tenzan is just ridiculous. He's just insane. Like, you know... He still looks like he eats the sort of young lions for breakfast. (laughs) He's a terrifying man, but... One of my favourite... One of my favourite things is, do you know know why GBH is called GBH? Like, with... The the Great Bash Heel. Yeah, do you know what the other name for that was? Because Tenzan, because Tenzan founded GBH and was eventually kicked out. The original name was Great Big Head. Oh, God, I think I have heard this story. Cause it, yeah, just Tenzan's Easter Island head. <laughs> this was a surprisingly decent match. Like... Yoshihashi is another one of these people that seems to be improving a lot at the moment. He's trying to branch out, try and find what intensity he has. And again, when he's kind of on the the sort of when he has to fight upwards, he usually come like looks good doing it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's the, the key thing. He is like ultimate babyface kind of guy, really. And 
he does come good in New Japan Cup. It's kind of his time to shine. He can get some wins under his belt. It doesn't matter how far he goes. He has a ceiling because he's that. That's the story of his career. You know, it, it's it's a ceiling. He doesn't get the automatic call up to the G1 like he used to because he isn't good enough, and he's always trying to build something. But that's a story you can tell. That's a story you can have a career with, which is you know what Yoshihashi is about really. And a point over Tenzan, pardon me, doesn't really kind of like say an awful lot because it's Tenzan. But this was a corker. This was really what like New Japan's about. It was hard hitting. It was well told. Tenzan was clearly after it. Was really disappointed he didn't get there, and he put in an amazing performance. Can't say more than that. Yeah, I I was impressed by both guys, and I remember I once got ribbed by saying I was the leader of the um, Yoshihashi fan club because I think it was in last year's G1. I sort of put his match against Okada in one of my um top matches list and I purely said it made me give a damn about Yoshihashi that's <laughs> a good match and again I felt I felt that same thing here I'm like oh god Yoshihashi's actually trying I think he always tries it just gives the impression sometimes that he isn't and you know speaking of people who give the impression like they're not working very hard Yujiro Takahashi unfortunately <laughs> Yujiro and Hiroki Goto. Hiroki kind of like defeated Yujiro in 60 minutes and 40 seconds. It took him that long. Um, <laughs> way longer. Yeah. I'll be honest. I like Yujiro. I think he's cool. But the obvious thing is that when Peter is there, he's far more interesting. And it's not because Peter's undressed. It's because Peter is far more interesting than Yujiro. I mean, seriously, Peter has more like personality in her little finger than Yujiro does his entire body. And Yujiro is a perfectly good wrestler as an in-ring worker, and he knows how to put a match together. He's got great psychology, and he, he's kind of like a master of this style. But it, And this was one of the best work I've seen him do, because Goto makes him go. But it's not great, is it? it, it fundamentally and technically, it, it's fine. It's enjoyable. It's just this, oh, it's such a drag. And part of that comes from like how Goto has matches. Goto seems to be a very sell-death type of wrestler, and I've had this issue with him before, especially against like Tai Chi and people like that, where he'll he'll take all this punishment, you'll count him out, and then all of a sudden, up oh, he's back and he's won, and it's like, oh yeah, he overcame all he's on. He's like, well, well, no, we're used to him doing that. You can't <laughs> really do that with someone like Takahashi because he's yeah. not considered dangerous enough for that. No. Yujiro needs another championship run to make him viable again. Like when he had the Nova Overweight Championship like three years ago for about a month, at least he meant something. He won it with loads of interference, but it felt like there was something there. Do you see what I mean? If they just made him, like, have him come away for like a couple of months and come back with some like lethal new moves. Like Goto went back to the LA Dojo refined his style, came back, and all of a sudden, oh, look, he could, he's faster, he's more he's more agile, he's he's more interesting. Takahashi's been allowed to get stale. You, you can't rely on a pimp gimmick forever. Have him no. start beating people up with a cane. Have him, have him do something, and then yeah. he might be more interesting. It's like he can wrestle, sure, and he, he does dirty tricks. Cool. He bites people. Always underrated in a fight, but I mean, <laughs> I'm I clutching think... at straws here because I'm kind of like I like Yujiro, but at the same time, my God, 
I think as well, the issue is basically like when there's lots of stuff going on in Bullet Club, he suddenly becomes more viable because he's always a key player in those storylines. When there's now going on in Bullet Club, all of a sudden he becomes a bit part player. You can just tell he was here to make up the numbers. Yeah, it's, he was there because Chase Owens couldn't be. That's basically. Chase Owens is the more interesting person to watch because yeah. he's the outsider with the killer move that, as you said in the last episode, we're always watching to see if he'll pull it off because if he pulls it off, we know he's won. Yeah, whereas Udro doesn't have that anymore. Of like, the Tokyo pimps, he's the least pimp-like, unfortunately for him. I didn't even realise there was ever more than one, to be honest. I, I, was, just, I just thought you didn't understand the concept of a plural. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's... Um, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I think... Well, I mean, I think, like, um, Chase is supposed to be part of the tag team of the Tokyo Pimps, but Chase, Chase denies he is a Tokyo Pimp. As I said, I thought it was just the motto he came up for for himself. And he's like, oh, yeah, if Peter's there, she counts as well. And I'm like, oh, does he just not understand that he could just say he's the Tokyo pimp? Singular. No, no, there is a tag team, and it's whoever Udro's tagging with at the time. (laughs) I think think it was him and Adam Page to start with. Oh, that makes sense, actually, before he became the hangman. Yeah, yeah. When when they were trying to find a name for Adam Page that wasn't Adam. Because <laughs> they had Adam Cole and yeah. Anywho, let's move on to the main event of the third, the fourth night even, which was Satoshi Kojima. He wrestled evil in 20 minutes and 8 seconds. Satoshi lost, but another corking performance for a New Japan veteran. I mean, it wasn't as good as Tenzan's performance, but I'd like to see these two wrestle again. I think he'd be corking. What's your thoughts on this one, John? See, I recently watched a couple of old Kojima matches because I was doing an MLW anthology episode, and it's funny how little Kojima's A, aged, and B, sort of slowed down. He's still that sort, he's still very high energy, he's still very mobile, and he's still very fun to watch. It's like, he's got such, like, a simple style when you, like, think about it, but at the same time, it just fits. I don't know what it is, but I love seeing Kojima in action. And if you put him against another sort of... You put him against the barrel version of himself, who's very sort of lariat-heavy and just the edgier Kojima, it's really fun. Mm. I love it when you just see two guys built like fridges trying to attack each other. I don't (laughs) know why. It's just fun. In this yeah. one, a lot of people would, like, I read a lot of people crapping on this one. I was kind of like, oh, God, going into it, this is going to be bad, isn't it? it? I was surprised. It wasn't that bad. It's not the best match of the tournament by any stretch, but it's it's fun <laughs> for what it is. And it's evil being evil against Kojima being Kojima. And what more do you need in life? All right, then, should we go to the, our fifth night of the tournament, which is on the 24th <laughs> of uh, June? It was at Currican Hall, again in front of Zero Fan. Just sad. Oh, anyway, at K Hall, and it opened with Taiji Ishimori and Yoshinubi Kanemaru. And a never ending story from back in the days of Noah. Ishimori had never beaten Kanemaru until Friday. 
in 12 years of trying and 12 different matches. And finally, Ishimori pins Kanemaru. This is one of the great things I like about Japanese wrestling. If you get a, a wrestler that's coming from another company, you don't throw out that backstory. You keep that backstory and then build on it for future reference like this. So, so they didn't exactly make that big of a deal of it. Well, I mean, they didn't in... I mean, Kerry and Kelly did an awful lot in the commentary, but then they don't have to because the fans are pretty knowledgeable, don't they? You know? <laughs> Actually, just on the pro- on the mention that, props to Kevin Kelly for doing all of these shows solo and trying. It doesn't always land, but he's trying. Yes, very much so. I love Kevin Kelly. I think he's the best play-by-play announcer in the business right now. I um, think he's really damn good, but he... You can tell he's slightly struggling on his own because he's got no one to play off. And then just occasionally on the English feed, you will hear like the overactive Japanese commentary. <laughs> That's one of the things I've loved about there being no fans. You could just hear like overexcited commentary. And then you've got Kevin Kelly recording from a studio. And you're just kind of like, oh, you know, he'd be like that if he was there too. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, there's, there's also like, you know, I think he's missing Chris Charlton for the information news. He's missing, um, oh, I'm not going to go or Gino for... Gino, Gino or Rocky. He could have either of them. He's got somebody to make jokes with. I think that's the issue. And like, they've been, they've been the best version of a three-man booth I've ever seen. And they've got just the right balance of characters. It's also uh, never the same without Rocky swearing at Bushi. <laughs> but they're the best they're the best at what they do. I mean, I don't know of anyone else that has a three man booth that's done it as well as they have. And like they get complaints when they change anything. Like last year last year they tried to demote Chris Charlton to just being a translator and everyone complained, so they had to put him back on commentary. <laughs> so they're clearly doing it right. Definitely. And Speaking of getting it right, this match. Yes, very much so. Uh, Taiji Ishimura and Yoshinibu Kanemura, what's your thoughts on this? I enjoyed it. It was it was a bit shorter than I was expecting, but again, when you've got that much history in a match and you know exactly what your opponents are going to do, you can have a lot of fun with that. And these, these two, again, did just that. It was fast, fierce. Kanemaru was trying to be a dick and... Ishimori stopped him from being a dick and finally got a big win in very dominant fashion. Yeah. And I love that tombstone double knees. It's, I'm surprised that isn't the finisher, to be honest. Because it just looks <laughs> more devastating than the bloody cross. It but does. I suppose there's way more set up for it, so having yeah. the bloody cross is kind of that out-of-nowhere finisher. Yeah, you've also got like more danger involved as well. You've got to encourage more safety and so much more things. Uh, but yes, very good match. And I'm shamed it didn't get higher ratings and it should have gone longer. Uh, next up was a match that wasn't going to be very long at all. <laughs> it was longer than the first one. Longer than the first one. I'm amazed it went this long. Tomohiro Ishii and Togi Makabe banged heads in 30 minutes and 28 seconds. In a match which was the rematch of a Wrestle Kingdom 11 match, I think it was, for the Naropa Way Championship. And I will tell you right now, this was better than that one was. This match was outstanding, and it mainly because Togi Makabe had his work boots on. And also, Tomohiro Ishii told a different story. He went after a body part. He wasn't 
Ishii's story as of late has been, I can do whatever you can do and I can do it better. But this time it was trying to be back to that basic pro wrestler of trying to destroy Maccabee's knee. That's where he was after. And that's what he tried to do. And it was thoroughly entertaining watching him dissect him Arn Anderson style, like the old days. And I really enjoyed this. What's your neck? Sorry, nor his knee. What did you think of this particular matchup, John? Yeah, I've got to agree. This was great fun. Like, Maccabee, again, yep, is guilty of phoning it in sometimes. But here, went strike for strike and played along with Ishii. I don't think Ishii's capable of putting on bad matches anymore like I think he could probably he's a bit like um, Okada in that if you gave him a broom he'd probably put on a decent match still even if it just meant he sort of broke it with his head a couple of times and pinned it and you'd be like yeah better than some things I've seen and just this was fun I love that Ishii's trying to break stereotypes of him just being a sort of mobile fridge and (laughs) <laughs> you okay? Uh, I've been fighting off sneezes for like the te- like past 10 minutes and I'm just kind of like, will you sneeze already so I can get over this? Are you got hay fever or is it something darker than that? No, it is just hair fever. Okay then. Please keep us informed to the best of your health. <laughs> oh, you'll know if I've got the COVID because you'll just ask me to podcast one day. It's like, I'm <laughs> the COVID. <laughs> well, anyway. nice people, don't be low key. Yes, yes, do not be low key. Tommy Oishi versus Togi Makabe. Anyway, do you have anything else you'd like to say? I don't think Makabe did his turnbuckle punches and laugh. No, his... you don't have to have them. I think this is the, the, the other thing is like there's an assumption that everybody has to get their spots in, and they just don't. <laughs> I just, it's just because that, that is one of the few things that will always make me laugh in a match. It's that and... Oh, what's the other one? I can't remember. But yeah, Maccabee's laugh will always make me laugh. So you can <laughs> tell this was a serious match because he didn't do that. But yeah, no, this was good. It was really good fun. Okay, next round, next matchup was Hiromu Takahashi defeating his nemesis of nine years. Toriyano in nine minutes and 17 seconds in the most ridiculous display of professional wrestling you're going to see in this tournament. But by God, it was fun. What did you think of this, John? This was amazing. Wasn't Takahashi it? is a comedy genius. This, this, and, and so is Yano. This was, this was performance art as professional wrestling. And the basic premise was Takahashi was bullied by Yano when he was a young boy and Yano kept trying to cut his hair. So they went with that and just did the same match they had eight years ago, but just amped everything up to the max. And that's what it was. And it was brilliant. Just brilliant. You never think anyone would be scared of Yano, but, like, Hiromu sells it like death. (laughs) He's literally like, you will not get me. You will not get my hair. I mean, he does. Like, the tiniest (laughs) bit. How dare you? But, again, Suji... Suji being the unsung star of the New Japan Cup. Yes, it, well, basically what happened is uh, Toriyano, in a big throwback to last year's G1 Climax, tried taping Hiromu Takahashi to Yota Suji <laughs> to try and get away from him to get a count-out victory. 
what ended up happening was Yano got taped up, sent into the, the lift down five down five floors. Yotosuji and Takahashi crawled to the ring to get a count out victory. I won't be surprised if Yotosuji ended up in LIJ for that performance as a thank you. I was going to say that's it. Hiromi's just going to start calling him Tutor, and it's all going to come full circle when Shota Umino comes back to the company, and it's Hiromu and Suji versus Mox and Umino. Calling it now. I would absolutely love to see John Moxley versus Hiromu Takahashi because that could be insane. Well, we know Mox can go, and we know Takahashi can go. Oh, God, don't we just booked a dream match? (laughs) Well, it's the thing, though. Will Ospreay was junior heavyweight champion last year in the G1 Climax. Why can't Hiromu enter this year's G1 Climax? If he does well in this and it's a believable run and everyone buys into it, would Hiromu be the third junior heavyweight champion to enter the G1 Climax? I mean, it's Takahashi. He's always believable because you know for a fact that he's just going to break himself to prove a point. I suppose so. This is a guy that broke his neck and came back in, what, a year and a half? 600 days. Nearly two. But my point is... Considering that was a broken neck, that's not bad. And he's he's not slowed down. No, he might be but... slightly more careful but careful about some of the bumps he takes, but like he's still Hiromu. Yeah, I mean I think I think this is the thing. I'm not sure if they're kind of grooming him for shift to heavyweight, because he is a big star, and why would you not want him to be the biggest star in the company? It is possible for him to do that, I think. I think he could be bigger than NATO. He's that I mean... He's and, been two heavyweights so far. Yeah, and that's 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 the kind of potential movement you need. And he was supposed to wrestle NATO at the anniversary show, which got cancelled, obviously. But this would be serious business. It'd be the junior heavyweight champion versus the intercontinental and a heavyweight champion if he wins the New Japan Cup at Osaka Joe Hall. First defence for NATO, or second defence for NATO. That's big. That's huge. And that's a push to being a major star in my book. Just the same way Zack Sabre Jr. was two years ago. It's interesting because the time off has made Takahashi even more creative as well. Because you, he's way more willing to play into like comedy and personality angles. Like he always was. Like yeah. look at the Will Osprey as a cat, and bringing making Daryl a plush cat, the superstar of its own, of its own creation, and here. He's just like, right, we've got this story from like eight years ago. Let's play on that. <laughs> I mean, to come out to the ring in a bloody hard hat just to protect your hair, it's... Yeah, just just insane. It's the joy we need right now. A hard hat with the New Japan sticker on the front of it. That's eight. It's just like, it's just perfect. Loyal to the company no matter what. And the main event of the evening was Kazuchika Okada versus Yuji Nagata for 20 minutes and 14 seconds. Yuji Nagata pulling out the performance of his late career. This was outstanding. Okada kind of turned heel a little bit, as he does. He wasn't really turning heel, he was just being Okada. But he did it in such a way that allowed Yuji Nagata to play full-on big match babyface, which is his ideal positioning. And he gave Nagata the room, and Nagata showed his wares. He didn't win, because he wasn't going to win. But this was absolutely epic. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, at first when I saw this match, I'm kind of like, Nagata is good, but I don't know if he's going to be main event good. And then I was like, holy shit. 
by the end of it. I was just like, wow. Again, it's it might be the Arcada effect, but Nagata was firing on all cylinders here. Like this was this was as you said, the performance of his late career. And honestly it was just really fun. There was so much to it. And they're really, really going all in on this Cobra Clutch, aren't they? Yeah, I think this is the thing. Um, they're, they're trying to develop a new finisher for Okada to give him some variation, to give him some time, which I can completely understand. Because if you, and now the New Japan Cup is traditionally where he's debuted new finishers because obviously a new finisher you can't scout in kayfabe terms is more important in the New Japan Cup than it is in the G1 because everything's first round. It's, it's elimination wrestling. So if you've got a new finisher that no one can scout and you can pull it out... That's like brilliant storytelling. It's what's supposed to happen in the real world, you know? So, yeah, I think that's something that they're trying to do. And New Japan Cup has been where he's, I think he debuted Red Ink at the New Japan Cup. And I think he debuted Pile Driver at the New Japan Cup. I'm not sure. But yeah, so I think that's really important for his growth. And to sort of have him win it over another person who's like a submission specialist in Nagata is probably quite the proving ground for it. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the thing. It's got to be... Uh, it's... Um, oh, it, finally yeah. sneezed. <laughs> I think that's it. I think you've got to kind of... Um, you, you've got to see where he's trying to go with the character and um, trying to develop as a wrestler. And one of the things he's trying to develop as a wrestler is this story of growth. And it's difficult for someone who's been five times world champion to show any growth at all. So I think it's the right thing to do is try and produce new finishes, new endings, new stories to tell. Can he get to this surefire submission that's knocked out already Yuji Nagata? I can't remember. Who did he beat in the first round? Gato. Gato, yeah. So he beat Jado his long-time nemesis, and he's beat Yuji Nagata. So he can take somebody out, a big name out in the third round, and that's really going to be interesting, isn't it? There is a lot of potential for it, and it's always weird to think that like Okada is still growing as a wrestler. You're like, this is the guy that was on top of the world so many times now, you forget that he's he's still really bloody young. Hmm. And there's still got that much room to grow. It's it's weird, isn't it's, it? It's seven years since he turned up at the Tokyo Dome and challenged Tanahashi for the heavyweight championship. You know, that's seven years, seven and a bit years ago. And he's held the title for most of that seven years since, on and off. And it's, but he's the right guy for the right era and he's the right guy for the company, you know? They would have been in such a hole when they lost Nakamura if it wasn't for Okada. Because he's that charismatic championship-level wrestler that is the perfect foil to Tanahashi's happy-go-lucky babyface. You know? And that's that's what you need. Not that Tanahashi's a happy-go-lucky babyface all the time. Sometimes Dana, sometimes Tana is a mean, vindictive heel. Because he has to be. And that's the way it is. For Okada is like the cool, crisp, Nick Bockwickle, Ric Flair, modern modern day wrestling champion that Nick Alves aspires to be as well. And 
he's still growing within that role and there's plenty you can do with that role. Like Nick Bockwinkle had a 15-year career based around that role. Ric Flair had a 40-year career based around that role. So it can be done. And I think Okada is going to try and redefine what that role can be in the modern wrestling company. And with like how long Japanese wrestlers' careers tend to be, the there's like no ceiling for this. The sky yeah. is the limit. Cause... I, I don't think he's going to stick around like 40 years like Flair because he's got more sense. I think he'll get to 45 and call it a day. But the story in those next 13 years is going to be amazing to watch. Definitely. Right he's then. Be like, he's going to have his own sort of chapter in the history of like the greatest people to be at the top of a company. Yeah, he's, he is kind of like the next level, really is. Right then, we'll have to call it here for today. My name's James Troopany. Thank you very much for listening to The Troopany Show. We'll be back with more New Japan coverage next week. Okay, take care. Thank you very much to my guest. That's John Dinsdale. Where can we find you on your social medias? You can find me at John Deathman on Twitter. That's kind of the hub to find whatever, that, whatever else you might want to find about me, my writings, my deathmatch work. My occasional rantings about dickheads trophy hunting, uh, you name it, there's, there's all sorts there now. And <laughs> yeah, you'll occasionally hear me here waffling nonsense and driving Mr. Troopany up the wall. Well, only about Tai Chi. Otherwise, you're a perfectly rational and normal human being. The Tai Chi thing, I just don't get. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to the Troopany Show today. My name is James Troopany. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find the show, The Troopany Show, on Twitter. And you can find us on Facebook, The Troopany Show, and on Patreon, The Troopany Show, where you can keep us free forever for everyone. Thank you for our sponsors, Empire Wrestling Magazine and Powerslam.tv, where you get a free month when you use the code MULLETWATCH. We're back next week. More New Japan Pro. It's slowing down a little bit, so we might have to watch something else as well because there's only like the quarterfinals and semifinals left. But there's some intriguing matchups in that second, third round. Sorry, third or well, second round, and then the third round should be amazing. Take care, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.